Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 94, recorded here on December 10th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice. So as I do every week, admonish, please do your own homework. Okay, well, we got uh, quite a bit of news this week in Bitcoin. Uh, we will get started, though, with the market update. Stocks closed higher Friday following a strong monthly jobs report to clinch a sixth straight week of gains with the S&P 500 and NASDAQ composite hitting their highest closing levels since early 2022. Analysts said the Labor Department's report that November added $199,000 jobs on a seasonally adjusted basis likely keeps the Federal Reserve on pace to hold rates steady at next week's meeting. More broadly, the drop in the unemployment rate to 3.7% combined with rising payrolls and earnings portrays an economy that is easing toward a soft landing and is not on the brink of a recession. For the week, the NASDAQ climbed 0.7%, the S&P added 0.2%, and the Dow Jones average finished flat. The focus now turns to the Federal Reserve's last Monetary Policy Committee meeting of the year next week. <clears throat> Markets are widely anticipating the central bank to hold steady on rates. Of course, if you own Bitcoin, you don't really care. Uh, next up is a look ahead. Investors will be focused on the last Federal Reserve meeting of the year next week. While the FOMC is expected to hold rates steady, the tone from Jerome Powell and gang will still be of high interest to market watchers. As it stands now, the Fed's favored inflation gauge, core PCE inflation, looks on track to end the year comfortably below the central bank's forecast and not too far off the Fed's 2% target. Oh, and just uh, keep changing the definition until it uh, fits. I like it. Outside of the Fed meeting, the economic calendar also includes the Consumer Price Index and Producer Price Index reports, as well as updates on retail sales and industrial production. Meanwhile, the earnings calendar finally slows down with reports from Oracle, Costco, and Darden Restaurant standing out. Big corporate events during the week will include the 65th American Society of Hematology Conference taking place in San Diego, Chewy's first-ever Investor Day event, and AI-related reveals from Intel. Jumping into the Bitcoin news for the week, first up is from Bitcoin.com, the Week in Review. Uh, first article here. Uh, Bitcoin developer Luke Dash Jr. states inscriptions are exploits, hints at future fix. Luke Dash Jr., Bitcoin developer and Mumelin's CTO, has reiterated his negative opinion about ordinal inscriptions, stating these leverage and exploit a vulnerability in the Bitcoin core full node software implementation. Dash Jr. also hinted at correcting this exploit in an upcoming version of the Bitcoin node software. And a lot of people on Noster and Bitcoin Twitter accused him of being the 10th man. Um, 
look, there's lots of different uh, opinions. It's a free market. It'll sort itself out, I'm sure. Uh, next is, uh, let's see, BlackRock's spot Bitcoin ETF filing update addresses potential classification of Bitcoin as a security by SEC. BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, has warned in its latest spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund filing update of the potential for Bitcoin to be classified as a security by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, state regulators, or court rulings. If a digital asset is determined or asserted to be a security, it is likely to become difficult or impossible for the digital asset to be traded, cleared, or custodied in the United States through the same channels used by non-security digital assets, BlackRock caution. Sounds like their lawyers have been busy on their risk uh, disclosures. So uh, hats off to the lawyers on that. Um, and of course, that's something that uh, you always have to consider. Uh, but when you buy Bitcoin and hold it in self-custody, mm, don't really care. And if they ban it, well, good luck too, because China tried to ban it. And uh, every time somebody's tried to ban it, it just doesn't work out. And uh, the nice thing about Bitcoin is you can take it somewhere where they actually want you to be and be able to use it. So that's the fun part about Bitcoin. Uh, next uh, article summary here. Bitcoin breaks 40K barrier, highest value in nearly two years. On Sunday, December 3rd, 2023, Bitcoin's value surged past the 40K mark, peaking at 40,846 at 8.45 p.m. Eastern time. Over the past week, Bitcoin has witnessed an 8.4% increase and a 3% rise in the past 24 hours, achieving a peak that the cryptocurrency hadn't seen in 19 months. It's funny, too, listening to people put price targets out there like, oh, the next price target is 50, and oh, the next price target is 45. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> it's absolute scarcity. So keep putting your price targets out there, but, uh, you know, who the heck really knows? It's just going to go up. That's all we know. It's going to go up a lot, then it's going to go down a lot, then it's going to go up even more, then it's going to go down a lot, then it's going to go up even more. And that's kind of how things work with scarcity over a long period of time. Just look at gold. That's a good example. Uh, or Bitcoin over the last 10 years or 12 years. Uh, next article here, report. Bankman-Fried struggles with extortion attempts behind bars in Brooklyn's MDC. Sam Bankman-Fried, previously a key figure in the crypto sphere, encountered a stark contrast to his past life at the Met Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. Gene Borello, a past mob enforcer for the Bonanno crime family, shared insights with journalist Tiffany Fong about the daily challenges SBF faces in prison. Borello's revelations paint a picture of SBF grappling with threats of extortion and bouts of depression. Well, maybe... Maybe he shouldn't have done those bad things and stolen from people and he wouldn't be in prison. Okay, next article is a also a summary of weekly news items. Uh, this one is from Crypto Potato. Uh, 
website that I just, I love the name. Uh, so headline here is, uh, this is this week's recap. The past week was particularly explosive in the crypto markets, the capitalization of which increased by close to $200 billion, currently standing at $1.7 trillion. The industry shows little signs of slowing down. Hmm. That's not what the regulators and the politicians are saying. More on that later. Starting with Bitcoin, its price exploded by some 14.3% over the past seven days, and it's currently trading around the 44K mark. The bulls have tried to push it above that level, but have so far been unsuccessful. It's worth noting, however, that the bears also attempted to initiate a correction with little success. What's interesting this time around, compared to previous market cycles, is that there's an entire ecosystem built around Bitcoin. That This was made possible earlier in March when the BRC20 token standard was introduced. Cryptocurrencies based on it, such as ORDI, also exploded in value alongside Bitcoin. ORDI's price is up a whopping 140% in the past seven days, making all sorts of headlines along the way. Uh, that's a shit coin, by the way, just so you know. Meme coins are also having their way, but not the most conventional ones. Doge and SHIB increased by 18 and 20% respectively, but it was Bonk that stole the show. It's currently the biggest meme coin on the Solana network. Bonk skyrocketed by over 200% in the last week. Other meme coins are also surging on various chains. Snack, for instance, is one built on Cardano, and it's also at more than 220% during the same period. Uh, all shit coins, stay away from them. That's my advice. That said, the market seems very heated at the moment, and it's interesting to see if there's a correction looming around the corner. Many industry experts are of the opinion that the ongoing rally still has steam in it, before a potential pullback, so it's curious to see how the market will develop over or in the next week. And as you know, I don't really like getting into price, but it's kind of hard not to talk about price when we're in a bull market. This week's crypto headlines you can't miss. Jack Dorsey rolls out self-custody Bitcoin wallet with key recovery tool. We will cover this in more detail later in a nice article from Bitcoin Magazine. Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, has rolled out a self-custody Bitcoin wallet. The interesting part is that the wallet has a key recovery tool. This uh, Bitcoin Ordinal's inscription was sold for the highest price ever. Bitcoin ordinals are on the rise as the cryptocurrency explodes in value. This week, someone paid a whopping $450,000 for an inscription, inscription number eight to be precise, making it the highest purchase in ordinals history so far. Row, I, I worry that's going to be like the NFTs and it's going to, you know, go up a lot and then collapse. So we shall see. Do Kwan likely to be extradited to the U.S. The founder of the Terra Luna ecosystem, Do Kwan, is currently in prison in Montenegro. However, local authorities have decided that he will be extradited. Chances are that the country of destination will be the U.S., according to recent reports. Will a Bitcoin ETF approval be a sell-the-news event? Prominent expert chips in. One of the most commonly asked questions is if the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF will be a sell-the-news event. One popular and prominent analyst shares his two cents on the matter, addressing other important matters as well. By the way, there's a link in the article to this other article if you want to read more 
on this, and I'll put links to all these in the show notes, as I always do. Bitcoin hits an all-time high, but it's not what you think. Bitcoin has hit an all-time high, but it's in a different category than what many might think. The network fees are cracking new records daily as the price soars and its ecosystem follows up. Bitcoin short sellers burn through billions as Bitcoin refuses to drop. This week hasn't been favorable for the short sellers. In fact, bears have lost over $6 billion. Billion dollars! As the market takes for the skies and shows no signs of slowing down. And that's the update from Crypto Potato. All right, next up is an article from the Financial Times. It's actually an opinion piece. And I just, you know, it's always nice to hear what the mainstream media has to say. This uh, article is called Number Go Up. Bitcoin's startling surge is inexplicable as ever. If you ever see me in any form recommending that people should buy crypto, then one of two things has happened. Either someone has created a deep fake of me or I have been kidnapped. In the latter scenario, buy crypto would be my distress signal. Call the cops. Hmm, obviously a hater. Nonetheless, it is hard to ignore the startling rally in Bitcoin. Trust me, I've tried. Somehow, despite a swirling hellfire of regulatory aggression and legal strife afflicting several of the key institutions in this space, the price of this token has risen by 160% this year, not a typo, to $44,000 in a rally that has accelerated sharply over the past week or so. That comfortably eclipses any traditional asset class on the planet. To be clear, if people want to buy these tokens, I bear them no ill. People spend money on Crocs, sandals, real ale, and old other things I don't like all the time. Similarly, taking a punt on a crypto token is just as valid as buying a lottery ticket or putting a fiver each way on the 140 at Kempton Racehorse. Nothing wrong with that. If you want to do this, knock yourself out. I hope it makes you rich. If it does, the last laugh will be yours. So please don't bother sending the usual all-caps emails telling me I'm an idiot. They'll just go in the file with the others. Still, what are the circumstances under which this works as an investment strategy? What does the price rise really mean? When the asset classes say stocks or bonds, investors have broadly agreed metrics and assumptions to answer those questions. But this is Bitcoin. Strap in for a dizzying exercise of partially sensible but largely circular arguments that lots of reasonable people sincerely believe. Zach Pandel is one of those people who left a career in macro strategy at Goldman Sachs for a role as an analyst at Grayscale, which operates crypto investment trusts. I believe in the future of this, he says, but at the same time, I'm not an ideological person here. Pandel generally looks at the value of crypto tokens through the same lens as major currencies, which are broadly, and I stress broadly, determined by real interest rates and funds flows. Pandel reckons Bitcoin's latest violent ascent is really down to the U.S. Federal Reserve and the assumption it is done raising rates and may even cut them soonish. Gold has noticed that, bonds have noticed that, and Bitcoin has noticed that, he says. So far, so plausible. The very large drop we've seen in bond yields recently boosts the relative allure of non-yielding assets like gold and crypto, but for Pondle, this is about more than just that. 
Instead, he says Bitcoin is the only obvious competitor currency in the event that the U.S. dollar is debased. The euro, sterling, yen, and renminbi do not, for him, pass the test. This requires you to believe two things, that dollar debasement is really a thing, and that it can be replaced in its central role as the world's reserve currency by a token you cannot yet use to buy a cup of coffee. Uh, it's a stretch. Okay, so first of all, that's bullshit because uh, literally I was at the Bitcoin conference um, uh, just, what was it, back in October, and I literally bought several cups of coffee there using my Lightning wallet. So that debunked. Apart from interest rates, another key short-term trigger often cited for Bitcoin's latest rally is that the manifold, well-publicized failures of crypto projects over the past year, and in particular last month's $4.3 billion fine on Binance, could have been worse. My thought here is, apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> but for those crypto proponents who are not in jail, the fact Binance still exists at all is a positive. The big one, though, is investor demand. I am yet to meet a single chief executive officer or portfolio manager at any institutional money manager who has any interest in Bitcoin. Boosters insist Bitcoin is bringing in this kind of money, but beyond a few hedge funds, venture capital firms, and family offices, the evidence for this is scant at best. Wealthy individuals are probably aware of Bitcoin's latest leap, but even there, sector advisors are skeptical. I'm not seeing more demand from the client side, said Christian Nolting, Chief Investment Officer at Deutsche Bank Wealth Management. I have enough volatility on the bond side. I don't need crypto for the vol, he said. Volatility on the bond side. Think about that comment for a minute. There really shouldn't be volatility on the bond side. So why is that? Hmm. Could be the system is uh, not working. It is possible that if U.S. regulators approve the launch of a cash Bitcoin exchange-traded fund by institutions such as BlackRock, that might tempt more investors to seek exposure to crypto through them. This could potentially really be a breakthrough moment, but the true demand is yet to be seen, and it could already be priced in. I can't argue with that. Uh, this is just one of the contradictory arguments here, though. At the same time, we are told crypto is up because sovereign citizens want to avoid government and regulatory intrusion, and it is up because it may be about to gain greater regulatory oversight. It is apparently simultaneously a bet on inflation falling and a hedge against inflation rising. It is a currency, but also a speculative asset. These things can't all be true at the same time. The fact is different people buy crypto for all these different reasons and more contradictions be damned. The only thing the latest price rise tells you is that an unknown number of people are buying this illiquid token more enthusiastically than they were before. Number go up. Well, that's a pretty cynical piece. Um, and it's, you know, this narrative is true. I mean, there's you know, what a lot of people say right but i think what you have to really understand once you've studied bitcoin once you understand it and once you have conviction um it, it's really for me principally a store of value um and uh it can be used for transactions so that gives it a lot more utility than say gold you know if I have a bar of gold, it's very difficult for me to use to buy a cup of coffee. 
but I have Bitcoin in cold storage. I can transfer a small amount of that to my Lightning wallet, and I can use my Lightning to buy a cup of coffee. So, uh, and yes, it's volatile, but you know, if you look at the history of it, it tends to go up, uh, even though it goes through these tremendous cycles, uh, which over the long term means that putting your energy, your savings, the you know, the fruit of your labors, the money that you don't need to pay for your rent and mortgages and food and car payments and kids' clothes and all that, kids' education, uh, your savings can go into something that's truly can't be debased. It's completely out of the control of the government to to do anything to the to the price of Bitcoin. Uh, you know, unless they want to get in and start manipulating the price themselves with you know, like they do with gold. Uh, but still, even over the the long stretch of history, um, they can't really keep that that game up too long. So, uh, so again, it's a store value. It's 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 also can be used as a medium of exchange, um, and someday, you know, it could be a unit of account. You know, that'll cost you a hundred sats or a thousand sats or whatever. Um, but anyway, it's always good to hear sort of the skeptic um, side of things, and uh, you know, be able to um, have your arguments uh, on why you believe or don't believe what they're saying. All right, next up is from Cointelegraph. This article was posted yesterday, and uh, this is in the realm of sanctions. Tether announces wallet freezing policy for OFAC-sanctioned persons. Stablecoin issuer Tether has announced another step towards cooperation with law enforcement and regulatory agencies by initiating a voluntary wallet freezing policy, according to a blog post on December 9th. Since December 1st, Tether has been offering secondary market controls to freeze activity connected with sanctioned persons on the United States Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, specially designated nationals, or SDN list. Companies and individuals controlled or owned by sanctioned countries are included on the list. And by the way, those of you who don't know, that's a pretty, pretty major fine if you do business with somebody on that list. Most companies have to check uh, before they sign a contract with a vendor, before they sign a lease with a resident, um, that they're not on that list, and if they're if they are, and they do business with them, there's big, big, big penalties. So it's a, it's a pretty heavy hammer. Companies and individuals controlled or owned by sanctioned countries are included on the list. Uh, by the way, I don't know how you get on the list, and I don't know how you get off the list if you're put on the list by accident, which is something that could always happen too. So. According to Tether, the policy will supplement existing security protocols and is a, quote, proactive effort to work even more closely with global regulators and law enforcement agencies. <clears throat> the United States Department of the Treasury has been using the list to curb crypto transactions potentially connected to illegal activities, including funding terrorism and unauthorized fentanyl distribution. Oh, my gosh. Wallets previously added to the SDN list have already been frozen by Tether in a move that contradicts the company's previous positions on the matter. 
In August 22, for example, Tether announced it wouldn't proactively freeze sanctioned tornado cash addresses unless instructed by law enforcement. According to the OFAC, individuals and criminal organizations have used tornado cash to launder over $7 billion in cryptocurrency since 2019. And, uh, you know, who knows if that number's even right? I think I read somewhere that it's it's uh it includes all the volume and and you know you can't really isolate what portion is uh people actually just trying to avoid government surveillance and wanting their own personal privacy versus actual criminals by executing voluntary wallet address freezing of new additions to the sdn list and freezing previously added addresses we will be able to further strengthen the positive usage of stablecoin technology and promote a safer stablecoin ecosystem for all users, said Paolo Arduino, CEO of Tether. The company based in Hong Kong is behind the stablecoin Tether, whose market cap reached an all-time high, all-time highs during the crackdown on crypto firms in the US over the past months. Currently, its market cap is at $90 billion indicating a strong demand for the stablecoin that holds nearly 70% of the market. And the truth is, I mean, for a lot of people outside of the United States that don't have access to the U.S. banking system, uh, they would like exposure to the U.S. dollar. And so Tether or U.S. dollar coin, and there's a few other stablecoins out there, are tend to be um, useful for them. Uh, and, per, and in some cases preferred to say Bitcoin uh, because they have less quote volatility, but you can see here the issue is they're centralized and they can be uh, censored. So uh, if you really want censorship resistance, you want Bitcoin. Uh, you can't trust the stable coins. Um, and again, you know, maybe, maybe these are criminals and maybe the government doesn't doesn't like you and they put you on that list i mean you have to kind of think in those terms uh that that could happen someday so uh always go with censorship resistance next is also from coin telegraph also on the regulatory uh angle which is kind of interesting bitcoin inscriptions have been added to the us national vulnerability database I didn't even know this existed. The National Vulnerability Database, or NVD, flagged Bitcoin's inscriptions as a cybersecurity risk on December 9th, calling attention to the security flaw that enabled the development of the Ordinals Protocol in 2022. According to the database records, a data carrier limit can be bypassed by masking data as code in some versions of Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Knots, as exploited in the wild by inscriptions in 2022 and 2023, reads the document. Being added to the NVD's list means that a specific cybersecurity vulnerability has been recognized, cataloged, and deemed important for public awareness. The database is managed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, an agency of the U.S. Department of Commerce. Uh, Bitcoin's network vulnerability is currently under analysis as one potential impact. It could result in large amounts of non-transactional data spamming the blockchain, potentially increasing network size and adversely affecting performance and fees. Well, we've already seen the fees go up. On the NVD's website, a recent post from Bitcoin Core developer Luke Dash Jr. on X, formerly Twitter, is featured 
as an information resource, Dash Jr. alleges that inscriptions exploit a Bitcoin core vulnerability to spam the network. I guess it's like receiving junk mail that you have to sift through every day to find the ones that are your contacts. It slows down the process, the user wrote in the discussion. An inscription consists of embedding additional data to a specific Satoshi, the smallest unit of Bitcoin. This data can be anything digital, like an image, text, or other forms of media. Each time data is added onto a Satoshi, it becomes a permanent part of the Bitcoin blockchain. Even though data embedding has been part of the Bitcoin protocol for some time, its popularity only increased with the advent of ordinals in late 2022, a protocol that allowed unique digital arts to be directly embedded into Bitcoin transactions, similar to how non-fungible tokens run on the Ethereum network. The volume of ordinal transactions clogged Bitcoin's network several times during 2023. Uh, what that means is it increased the mempool um, and then, of course, drove fees up, which made a lot of people unhappy, resulting in more competition to confirm transactions, thus increasing fees and slowing processing time. If the bug is patched, it has the potential to restrict Ordinal's inscriptions on the network. Asked if Ordinal's and BRC20 tokens would stop being a thing if the vulnerability was fixed, Dash Jr. replied correct. However, existing inscriptions would remain intact due to the immutability of the network. So again, lots of arguments on both sides. Bitcoin tends to be uh, maybe one of the last truly free markets that we have uh, that aren't manipulated and um, so people have found a novel use people have to pay for that privilege through higher fees um, eventually miners are not going to get the block reward you know at some point in a hundred years or whatever the block reward goes away and the security of the network will be dependent 100 percent on fees so uh Higher fees for miners isn't a bad thing because that tends to drive more miners to want to get into business, higher hash rate and all that. And I've been looking at some of the data and it looks like, you know, um, you know, there's anywhere from, I don't know, 10 to 20% of each block is now fees. Um, well, at least the last couple that I looked at and, um, uh, that's basically a, a Bitcoin um, to the miners that they wouldn't have gotten uh, if there wasn't the demand on the network. So I kind of like the uh, leave it alone and let it uh, let the market sort itself out. Um, screwing around with the Bitcoin code is is not uh, not a good idea. Uh, I guess I'm a ossification <laughs> proponent. Um, you know, unless again, there's broad consensus across all the nodes and, and everybody that uses Bitcoin that the change needs to be made. Uh, it's better to just leave it alone and try to solve problems on the second layer, third layer at this point. All right, next article, a little more FUD. Uh, this article is from Decrypt. This is uh, posted on December 6th. And the article's entitled, J.P. Morgan CEO D Jamie Dimon says, Feds should, quote, close down Bitcoin. And it was there was a lot of really funny memes that uh, people were posting about this uh, last week. 
JP Morgan Chase, CEO Jamie Dimon, has again slammed crypto today, saying he'd, quote, close it down if he were the U.S. government. The true use case for it, crypto, is criminals, drug traffickers, money laundering, tax avoidance, Dimon told lawmakers during a Senate banking committee hearing Wednesday. If I was the government, I'd close it down, he added. I've always been opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, etc. And, you know, that's funny because... I know a lot of people, me being one of them, that pays all his fucking taxes. Excuse my French. Uh, I don't money launder. I don't traffic drugs. I'm not a criminal. Just a regular guy. Trying to save money and get it out of the government's hands where they tend to destroy the value of the money. But it's just interesting that... uh, you know, the CEO of the largest bank in the U.S. is saying this. I mean, is he threatened? I mean, why should he even care? Diamond's comments came after Elizabeth Warren asked the billionaire bank boss why terrorists, drug traffickers, and rogue nations, oh, and I'm also not a rogue nation either, like crypto. I like the U.S. I like it here. It's a good country. I like the Constitution. He went on to add that you could move money almost instantaneously with digital assets and that it was somewhat anonymous. Diamond's latest latest comments are not the first time he's criticized Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. He famously called Bitcoin a fraud back in 2017 and criticized his own daughter because she bought a bit of the biggest cryptocurrency by market cap. The chief of the world's biggest bank also once questioned whether Bitcoin would really have its supply capped at 21 million coins, saying maybe it's going to get to 21 million and Satoshi's picture is going to come up and laugh at you all. Despite, I remember that, that was pretty hilarious. Uh, He obviously doesn't understand um, (laughs) the, the code, but that's okay. You know, he's a banker, what do you expect? Despite criticizing Bitcoin and decentralized cryptocurrencies, uh, Diamond has praised its underlying technology and his bank has used blockchain for projects such as JPM coin, a digital coin that runs on permissioned blockchain, a distributed ledger that is not publicly accessible like Ethereum or Bitcoin. Buy my coin. The crypto industry's X of formerly Twitter users were quick to point this out, especially highlighting the amount of times JP Morgan and other banks have been fined by regulators for breaking rules. Yeah, here's one from Gabor Gerbox. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, the only true use case for it is criminals, drug traffickers, money laundering, tax avoidance, the data. Since 2000, regulators fined banks 7,400 plus times, totaling fines of 380 plus billion. Banks should stay silent. Uh, Niraj Agrawal said, remember when JPM got fined for not only failing to report Madoff's suspicious transactions, but using the information to protect its own investments? And he posted something here that said, JP Morgan admits violation of the Bank Secrecy Act for failed Madoff oversight, fined $461 million by FinCEN. And Yahoo Finance, I've always been deeply opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, etc., pointed out. The only true case for it is criminals, says J.P. Morgan, CEO, J.B. Diamond. If I were the government, I'd close it down. 
And readers added context. Jamie Dimon says he would close down crypto if he were the government. However, the conflicts, this conflicts with JP Morgan pushing their own blockchain solution of which he has direct oversight of. So it's almost like he's trying to be anti-competitive. I don't know. Crypto advocates often push back at the notion that Bitcoin or other digital assets are disproportionately used by criminals, <clears throat> highlighting the fact that Bitcoin in particular operates on a transparent ledger and transactions can very easily be trapped, tracked. Some government officials in the past, notably former CIA director Michael Morrell, have suggested that Bitcoin is actually a boon for law enforcement, considering how transparent it really is. And of course, we all know that the real criminals are using fiat currency because that's how most 99% of transactions are processed, right? So, <sighs> gotta love the banksters. Uh, next article here is from Coindesk, and this is posted uh, December 8th. Some interesting news out of El Salvador that I wanted to cover. El Salvador could rake in $1 billion in Bitcoin investment per year with the new Freedom Visa. El Salvador is targeting Bitcoin and crypto millionaires in its latest push to attract long-term residents to the country. The nation kick-started its Freedom Visa program on Thursday, <clears throat> doling out a residency to a maximum of 1,000 people per year who invest at least a million dollars worth of Bitcoin or Tether stablecoins. Eligible participants receive a long-term residency permit and have a path to full citizenship. An application costs a non-refundable $999 in Bitcoin or USDT, and the process has gone live as of Friday. The technical process is handled by Tether Global, the issuer of USDT. This is similar to the concept of a golden visa offered by several nations where wealthy people can invest a certain amount into that country's bonds or property in return for a residency permit. Taking Bitcoin or Tether investments for residency as a first for any nation, El Salvador could receive at least a billion dollars in deposits if the quota are filled every year. El Salvador created history in September 2021 after becoming the first nation to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender. It has since made Bitcoin investments and holds over 2,700 Bitcoin in its treasury, a position that has yielded over $3 million in unrealized profit so far. These steps are part of a broader plan to reduce El Salvador's reliance on U.S. dollars and combat hyperinflation by attracting newer income sources, President Najib Bukele has said over the years. So that's an interesting one, and we'll have to continue to follow that. Um, I don't really have that kind of money, but someday maybe we'll see. But uh, that certainly looks like an interesting uh, option. I think they do have other uh, <clears throat> residence uh, permit programs, though, besides this one um, that you can take advantage of if, you, if you're interested in getting a residence permit so you can spend time there. Uh, versus just the tourist visa, which I think is you know ninety days or something like that max, uh, and it doesn't require that much money, I don't think. Um, okay, next article, as I mentioned earlier, this is from Bitcoin Magazine. This is a little bit more of a deeper dive into, and this was posted on December seventh. Jack Dorsey's block releases BitKey Bitcoin self custody wallet for pre order. Um, 
it's funny. I was at the Bitcoin conference in October and I was sitting next to a guy that works for Block and he had one of these little, these little things, these devices, uh, that's the uh, physical key that you, you hold in addition to what you have on your phone. And, uh, it's pretty cool. So anyway, um, and there's a picture of it here in the article. And again, I'll put links in the show notes so you can t read it for yourself. In a move aimed at democratizing access to self-custody for Bitcoin, Block Inc., uh, led by CEO Jack Dorsey, has finally launched the pre-order for its new self-custody wallet, BitKey, according to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. This new Bitcoin wallet seeks to redefine ownership and security for Bitcoin holders worldwide. Launching today across more than 95 countries spanning six continents, BitKey aims to empower users by providing easy and secure management of their Bitcoin. Currently, a vast majority of Bitcoin owners store their holdings on custodial platforms or exchanges, relinquishing control to these intermediaries. BitKey aims to offer a new custody solution by introducing a multifaceted approach to self-custody without the complexities associated with traditional hardware wallets. BitKey comprises a mobile app, hardware device, and a comprehensive recovery tools catering to both seasoned and novice Bitcoin enthusiasts. The proto team at Block, led by Thomas Templeton, emphasized the significance of self-custody in fostering a better financial landscape. The Bitcoin decentralized payments network has the potential to create a more inclusive financial system for all, especially those who have traditionally been underserved. Templeton said, in the future, we believe customers will demand Ownership and self-custody because it brings peace of mind, reduces dependence on any one entity, and puts individuals in control of their own Bitcoin. With BitKey, we are building a safe and easy way for people all around the world with different levels of experiences with Bitcoin to take control of their finances on their terms. The key feature of BitKey is its two of three multi-sig design, eliminating the need for long, cumbersome passwords or seed phrases. This system employs three keys to secure Bitcoin, requiring any two to authorize transactions or enact security-related actions. The wallet distributes two keys directly to users, one housed within the mobile app for convenient transactions and security management, and the other securely stored offline within a hardware device. The hardware key is not only to enhance security, but also serves as a means for recovery if a user loses their phone. BitKey also incorporates a third key stored on the company's server, enabling seamless mobile transactions and providing a fail-safe operation for wallet recovery in case of device loss. It is important to note that BitKey's 2 of 3 multi-sig design ensures that the company cannot access or move a user's Bitcoin without their explicit consent. Furthermore, BitKey has struck partnerships with major platforms like Coinbase and Cash App, facilitating easy transfers of Bitcoin from exchanges to the user's self-custody wallet. BitKey is currently available for pre-orders here, and there's a link, with shipments set to commence in early 2024. Um, yeah, two of three multi-sigs, great. Um, and uh, this is like, again, kind of phone-centric, which is nice and pretty simple and easy to use. Um, I guess we'll see how, how well it gets accepted in the market, but uh, it's, it's great to see this kind of innovation in the space. Uh, next article is uh, 
from CoinDesk. This was posted on November, or sorry, December 8th. Bitcoin having is po poised to unleash Darwinism on miners. Darwinism could soon pummel some Bitcoin miners as the having a once every four year event that cuts the reward for creating new Bitcoin uh, by 50% unleashes a survival of the fittest battle in April. To prepare for the disruptive event, larger companies are securing newer and more efficient mining machines, but they might also consider gobbling up smaller miners as they figure out how to both survive and benefit from the having. Just ask Marathon Digital the largest public traded miner by hash rate, industry jargon for the computing power it can direct toward running the Bitcoin network. The firm said this week that it's got a hoard of money, more than $800 million of cash in Bitcoin, and will seek to grow that to capitalize on strategic opportunities, including industry consolidation ahead of the halving. Meanwhile, another large miner, HUT8, just completed its all-stock merger with the privately held U.S. Bitcoin, CleanSpark, has been collecting uh, cheap assets since the start of the bear market and said it has almost 170 million shored up to take advantage of opportunities the having may present. And Riot Platforms, another institutional grade miner, has just ordered 66,560 new mining machines for 290.5 million to stay ahead of the competition. The scene is set for a dog-eat-dog -dog competition. Leading up to the halving and in its aftermath, miners will need to place substantial emphasis on strategic planning. The adage, if you aren't growing, you're dying, holds true, said Amanda Fabiano, the former head of Galaxy Mining, who started her own consulting services company for the industry. In fact, mining consultancy firm Bloxbridge said that a dozen public mining companies have already committed over $1.2 billion so far this year to buy mining machines with about $750 million signed over the past two months. So how did we get here? Why are the miners racing to gear up for the halving? The Bitcoin halving, also known as the halvening, in simple terms will make obtaining or mining new Bitcoin much harder. The halving is part of the Bitcoin network's code to reduce inflationary pressure on the cryptocurrency and will cut the rewards in half for successfully mining a Bitcoin block. A useful analogy that might resonate with the non-crypto crowd, think about extracting a finite natural resource such as gold or oil from the ground. The more that's obtained, the less that's left, making the remaining resource more valuable, yet more expensive to extract. Now swap out whatever traditional commodity you had in mind and replace it with Bitcoin and crypto mining. That's the having a classic example of the supply and demand cycle, creating scarcity-driven value for an asset. It's something Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto believed in. In fact, Bitcoin might actually be even more scarce than gold. Well, I think it is actually because, you know, at least we know for sure how much Bitcoin there is. The, the gold, uh, there's probably gold under the ocean. There's gold on asteroids, you know, etc. Historically, the event has increased Bitcoin prices exponentially, creating generational wealth for investors. But a presenting challenge for the miners that actually create Bitcoin during the third halving, which occurred in 2020, Bitcoin's price went from around $8,500 to nearly $18,000 within a few months, while the reward for successfully mining a block was cut to 6.25 Bitcoin from 12.5. This time, the reward will sink to 3.125 Bitcoin, making mining even more competitive. In previous cycles, 
there weren't many large-scale miners and even fewer publicly traded ones during the lead-up to the bull market of 2021. A swath of miners jumped into the sector to reap nearly 90% profit margins at the peak. As Bitcoin neared $70,000, miners were making money hand over fist and many were spending and taking on debt to grow faster. Investors, including traditional financial firms, lavishing miners with cash to fuel uh, growth also incentivized breakneck spending and growth at any cost. It all came crashing down during the 2022 bear market. Profit margins got crushed. Some big miners filed for bankruptcy and access to capital markets was shut. Many miners still operating are barely surviving, awaiting for the next bull run to save them. The rally in Bitcoin prices in 2023, fueled mostly by the optimism that U.S. regulators will approve spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds from the likes of BlackRock, has helped miners somewhat. But with the Bitcoin network's hash rate at an all-time high, a sign of high competition, the difficulty mining a single block also at a record high energy prices, crypto mining rigs use a lot of electricity, intense regulatory scrutiny, and still bone-dry capital markets, the mining landscape remains tough. Miners who grew too fast are now cash-strapped and looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. Struggling miners need to cut costs, shore up their balance sheets, and require more capital, all potential catalysts for mergers and acquisitions in the industry. Cutting costs will likely be a major drive of an upcoming wave of consolidation in the mining industry. Executive salaries, insurance, and other expenses benefit from economies of scale in the post-having environment, said Ethan Barra, chief operating officer at mining services firm Luxor Technologies. M&A can take many shapes and forms and can be complicated. However, one of the trends that might be prominent, according to Vera, is private miners merging with public companies. Off the back of Bitcoin price momentum, shareholders of private and public mining companies will look for avenues to liquidate parts of this position through uh, publicly listed vehicles. As such, many private companies will merge with public operating companies or shells to gain access to this liquidity, he said. They will likely follow HUT-8's merger and use that as a case study to combine entities that have both strong balance sheets alongside high growth opportunities, Vera added. Fabiano echoed this when asked about how this will play out. Mid-tier and small-scale miners should prioritize positioning themselves on the lower end of the cost curve. One likely path is M&A given the capital-constrained market. Meanwhile, larger miners should concentrate on growth narratives that set them apart from their rivals, she said. It seems the rule of the jungle is about to be unleashed on the mining industry, perhaps best expressed by a Japanese idiom, uh, jakuniku hyoshoku, which loosely translates to English as the flesh of the weak is the food of the strong. <laughs> That's for sure. And then finally, uh, this is from Bitcoin.com for this week. Uh, this was posted on... Uh, yesterday, looks like. Uh, articles entitled Van Eck unveils 15 crypto predictions, spot Bitcoin ETF approvals, US recession, Bitcoin's historic rally. Asset management firm Van Eck published 15 crypto predictions for 2024 on Thursday. The first prediction concerns the US economy slipping into a recession and the US Securities and Exchange Commission approving spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds. Van Eck wrote on social media platform X, the U.S. recession will finally arrive, but so will the first spot Bitcoin ETFs. Over $2.4 billion may flow into these ETFs in Q1 2024 to support Bitcoin's price. 
Vanek is among the companies that have filed an application to launch a spot Bitcoin ETF with the SEC. Other applicants include BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, Fidelity Investments, ARK Invest, and Bitwise. So I guess they're talking their book a little bit. The second prediction centers on the impending Bitcoin halving in April 2024, anticipating minimal market disruption and a post-halving rise in Bitcoin's price with significant gains for some low-cost miners. The third prediction, which sees a dramatic surge in Bitcoin's price, states <clears throat> Bitcoin will make an all-time high in Q4 2024, potentially spurred by political events and regulatory shifts following a U.S. presidential election. The next couple of predictions are about Ethereum. Vanek predicts that Ethereum will outperform major tech stocks in 2024, although it won't flip Bitcoin. However, Ethereum's market dominance will face challenges from other smart contract platforms. Moreover, implementation of EIP 4844 will reduce transaction fees and improve scalability for layer two chains. The sixth prediction states that non-fungible token activity will rebound. Okay, we don't care about that. Uh, okay, let's see. Expecting crypto exchange Binance to lose its number one position for spot trading and competitors such as OKX, Bybit, Coinbase, and BitGet contending for leadership. Vanek shared its seventh prediction, Coinbase futures market may exceed a billion dollars daily volume as regulated index inclusion becomes key. Eighth prediction explains that the market capitalization of stable coins should surpass its previous peak and reach a new high above 200 billion. This growth will be accompanied by a resurgence in USDC's market share, signifying a transition towards increased institutional adoption, particularly with emerging layer two chains. <clears throat> the ninth prediction details that decentralized exchanges will hit all-time highs in spot trading market share, driven by fast blockchains like Solana, blah, 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 shitcoin, shitcoin. The tenth prediction states, remittances will boost blockchain use with Bitcoin staking on the Lightning Network, offering yield opportunities through new user-friendly staking tools. Vanek also anticipates the that basically opening a channel and a lightning node and then you know you get transaction fees if you're routing payments, uh, which right now is pretty small but could could amount to a serious amount of money in the future uh, if as volume picks up. Vanek also anticipates the emergence of a smash hit blockchain game exceeding one million daily players propelling immutable X's market cap upwards. Twelfth prediction highlights that Solana is projected to become a top three blockchain by market cap. Okay, shitcoin. Furthermore, the asset management firm predicts a surge in adoption of decentralized physical infrastructure networks in its 13th prediction. New accounting standards will boost corporate crypto holdings. Coinbase will report layer two revenue as base protocol grows. By 2025, a major financial entity may launch a quasi-public Bitcoin blockchain with public chain connectivity, the 14th prediction outlines. The final prediction by Vinak relates to know your customer compliance, the asset management firm detailed. KYC compliant DeFi apps led by Uniswap will likely surpass non-KYC ones, attracting institutional volume and enhancing protocol fees, which may boost Uniswap's token value. Yeah, you can count on more regulation. That's, that's probably true. 
Uh, and that wraps it up. Uh, did want to mention and feature this week's Substack article. I'll include a link in the show notes. The article is entitled Embracing Bitcoin, a modern take on what has government done to our money. That's a book by the great Austrian economist Murray Rothbard. Uh, so check that out. And uh, if you don't already, please subscribe to my Substack. It's free. And I typically post two newsletter articles a week. And with that, I'd like to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Um, share it with a friend. And uh, they can learn more about Bitcoin every week, too, along with me. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Um, and if you're not listening to it on Fountain, you probably should be because you can earn sats just for listening to your favorite podcast. You can follow my Substack. It's at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Noster. I have included mine NPUB in um, the show notes. Uh, recently started posting on Primal, which I really like. It's a better than Damas, I think. Um, and they have a, an iPhone uh, version of the app now. Uh, they have a custodial lightning wallet, which is pretty cool that you can use to, um, you can transfer lightning or uh, Bitcoin into that wallet. You don't actually have to buy it uh, through them, but you can if you want to. Uh, and then you can uh, just zap people and then people can zap you back and, you know, it's all, it's all good. So it's probably worth checking out. And with that, I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.